welcome to a Jewish Boston and Israel 360 joint podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Manzman, and I'm here today with my co-host, Dan Seligson. Hi, Dan. What's up, Miriam? In a few short weeks, Israel, for the first time ever, will be hosting the biggest event in the lacrosse universe. For 10 days in July, lacrosse will take over the beachfront town of Netanya, where 48 nations will compete for the sport's most cherished prize. Israel will be pitted against the very best in the world, including the U.S., Canada, Russia, China, Argentina, and Germany, to name a few. We have two very special guests with us today, Bill Barroza, coach of the Israeli men's lacrosse team, and Jake Silberlicht. Bill Barroza co-founded Israel Lacrosse. He has been around the sport his whole life, winning multiple championships as both a player and a coach. He is in the Virginia Lacrosse Hall of Fame, the U.S. Lacrosse Hall of Fame, and the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame, and now in both the Jewish Boston and Israel 360 Athletic Halls of Fame. The second and third member, I believe. So Jake has been captain of Israeli lacrosse for five years. With his teammates and under his leadership, Israel won gold at the 2017 European Box Lacrosse Championships and silver at the 2016 Championships. We are wicked excited to learn more about the World Lacrosse Championships and Israel's excellent chance to medal. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts, and follow at Jewish Boston and at Israel360 on social media. Bill and Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Beautiful, sunny Boston. <laughs> Thanks for having us. We are very excited about Israel hosting the World Lacrosse Championships. Tell us a little more about the tournament. Is it basically the World Cup of lacrosse? Uh, yes, it is. It's uh, 48 countries coming to Israel. Uh, we had to bid to sponsor the games, and that was a huge undertaking. But Scott Neese, our executive director, uh, needed something to do with his time. So we uh, no, we bid on it. It was a tremendous uh, effort in pulling it together. And when we won, we said, oh, my God, we won. And now we had to figure out how to host 48 countries. It never, it's never been done before. Um, the largest was in Denver in 2014. The USA hosted, and I think it was about 36 countries that played. So this is the last time we'll have that many countries coming at one time. There'll be play-ins, regional play-ins in the future because it's just grown out of proportion. I'm interested to know a little bit about the history of the sport in Israel. How did it get started? Uh, yes, yeah, so this guy, Scott Nice. Um, just a little bald Jewish guy from uh, Long Island. Hey, hey, we're, all right, I'm a bald Jewish Hey, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Of, <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Uh, but he went on birthright, and, he, you know, he fell in love with the country on birthright, and he was kind of had this idea while he was there, uh, and he was telling all of his, you know, his friends on birthright, he said, I'm going to start lacrosse in Israel. And kind of everyone was laughing at him and didn't really think it was possible. Uh, and here we are five years later. But uh, he kind of just settled in, and what he wanted to do was connect, you know, Jews from... North America to Israel using the sport and you know a lot of people wouldn't really whether it's birthright or, or something else maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity to get to Israel and lacrosse was kind of this hook kind of this kicker so you know when I got involved I just wanted to continue to play lacrosse competitively and I didn't care where it was and that's kind of the way he got me in and you know finally got me there to Israel and I guess the rest is kind of history so. Yeah, so Jake moved over there. You've been there five years, right? We started actually in 2011, but the first phone call is Scott Neese called me um, and asked if I'd be the head coach for the Israeli national men's team. This is 2011, and I said, who are you? 
and so he had to give some credentials and and how he found me etc so i took a train from boston down to new york we sat for four hours outside penn station in a diner drinking coffee and uh working off a piece of paper napkins and and at the end of the conversation i said you don't need a lacrosse coach you need a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist because this is crazy um but um i made a couple phone calls um, so I was the first person, in addition to a gentleman, David Lasday, who was over there really at grassroots with Scott. But And I called Howie Borkin, who used to be the general manager of the USA team. Uh, he came on board after he checked with his wife. And then Mark Greenberg, who was an All-American player at Johns Hopkins and also um, very big into Israeli bonds. Um, I knew he'd be a good fit for us. So I called him, and he checked with his wife, and she said yes. And so the four of us started it and then people like Jake uh, without them we wouldn't exist uh, came on board and there's so many others as well we could mention. And Jake you just touched upon this a little bit but um, I'm interested to know about how the sport connects diaspora Jewry with Israelis. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, yes so we have a lot of programming within, within Israel across whether it's uh, solely Israel across birthright which brings uh, NCAA players um, on this birthright, so 20, 20 girls, 20 boys who are playing collegially at the time, they come over and they, you know, do the normal birthright things, see all the see all the sites. But in addition, they'll also get to work with our youth, uh, run practices, mentor the kids, um, and then also get to scrimmage against the men's national team and the women's national team. Um, outside of that, we do programs for high school high school athletes. High school athletes will come in the winter and do a little bit more of kind of this youth development thing and less of the sites, which is, is a very cool opportunity. Um, and also get a chance to scrimmage the men and see the country. Um, and other than that, we, you know, this summer is kind of a big one. You know, whether you're a serious lacrosse player or not, we've kind of in, reached out and invited anybody who has any interest in Israel or lacrosse to come and join us in this big, uh, you know, lacrosse party in the Middle East. So, so Jake, um you have two roles. You're the captain of the men's team, and your other title is director of youth development. And I'm curious how you use both of those roles to help. Um, you know, there's two parts of it. I guess there's taking Americans who already play lacrosse to Israel, Jewish Americans who already play lacrosse, taking them to Israel on birthright and things like that. There's also the issue of getting Israelis into, into lacrosse. How are you working on kind of both of those things in your dual role? Uh, sure. So first, I just want to mention that I'm the co-director of youth development with David Lazda, as we mentioned. So he kind of works in the north. I work in the south. Um, and what I like to say is that, you know, it's really great that I have the, had this opportunity to make Aliyah and play for the men's national team. That's awesome and great for me. Good. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't really want people to remember my name or any any of that. I really want people to see what we built here, you know, what Israel across it as a whole. And kind of this, you know, bringing, bringing Americans over to make Aliyah, you know, it's not super sustainable, uh, in my opinion. You need something else, something to supplement that. And what we do is we try and grow lacrosse at the youth level. So we'll go into the schools, we recruit players, we recruit students to come try the game, you know, come to a practice and then take it from there. They, a, lot of, a lot of kids are you know, really grasping onto it, something new, something challenging. Um, we have about a thousand players uh, nationwide who are coming, who own their own set of equipment and come to practice twice a week. And kind of they go through the system where they where they play from, we have players from age eight all the way up to 18. 
and um, you know it's really taking hold. And you know it's kind of a it's a slow it's a slow process, but it's definitely you know it's rewarding, and we're seeing we're seeing uh, we're seeing results. Um, and kind of you know our goal is that in 10, 20 years, all of these players, all of these players that I'm coaching, will be able to play in place of me on Team Israel. So that's that's kind of our goal. So I I can't help but notice your hat. It's Ashkelon with a an olive and a a lacrosse stick sticking out of it. Do you guys play lacrosse in the summer during the day in Ashkelon? And oh my God, how? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so we do. Um, it was definitely something that was kind of uh, difficult to adjust to when I first moved there. Because it's from, like 110. Yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York, so I'm used to playing in three feet of snow that's been kind of pushed off the field. So it was it was a big change, but it's also, you know, it's important to, to note that I'm hoping that this summer, come July, really the dog days of summer, um, you know, us Israelis are going to have a bit of a, a competitive advantage over the other teams um, when we're playing in that heat, you know, on the turf, when we're getting up to the hundreds or, or whatever it may be. You know, when the guy's coming in from Finland who might not have seen, you know, Sweden or wherever, it might not have seen that kind of weather or played in that kind of weather. So, um, it's but not it's so, like a half degree colder because it's next to the ocean. Uh, yeah, you might get a little ocean breeze, but I, I, I wouldn't that. bank on that. I wouldn't bank on that too much. <laughs> so, uh, Miriam and I, and we mentioned this before we, we started recording, uh, we are, let's say, refreshing our lacrosse knowledge. And, um, you know, personally, I went to school outside of Boston and we did phys ed lacrosse for a week. Uh, I went to Connecticut College, which has, uh, I don't know if it's a good lacrosse team anymore. Go Camels, there. right? Yeah, go Camels. Yeah. I went there. It was a long time ago there, but and I used to watch games because you just happened upon them on the quad. It's a small school. Uh, what does the average listener need to know about the sport of lacrosse? They might look at it and say, this is uh, hockey on grass. They seem to be hitting each other with sticks. Uh, the ball's moving very fast. Is this dangerous? Should I let my kid play it? Um, what do we need to know? What are the basics? It's actually um, less dangerous now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago because they've taken a lot of hitting out of the game. So your perception of hitting with sticks is it, it, it's not as significant as it used to be. Uh, we actually were probably doing this to each other in gym class, which is what I'm <laughs> okay, remembering. Okay, there you go. And, uh, and so the, the, the hitting off ball is not there as well. They, they've changed the rules dramatically, but, but people wear protective uh, gear, helmets, arm pads, gloves, so that if you do get hit, it basically, you know, um, can sustain any impact of, of a stick hitting you. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think you summarized it earlier, It's it looks like hockey on grass, um, but it's played with a hard rubber ball. There are 10 players on the field. There's a goalie in each end in the goal. Uh, the goal is six by six instead of, you know, the lower, like, hockey goal. And... Um, there are defensemen that play with longer sticks. There are the offensive players that play with shorter sticks. And just like soccer, you know, you have midfielders that play both ways, right? You know, they have to get back and play defense. They have to go play offense. And uh, then there are some people that just basically play offense. And then You have to stay there or else you're offsides, right? You, you have to keep a, a, a certain number of players on a side of the field. So it, you could keep back other players. It doesn't matter. It's just it's a numbers game. But it's um you know it's got the skills of basketball and hockey, football, um, 
great wrestlers become very good lacrosse players at, at some positions like face-off because it, it lends itself. So it's a very um, eclectic sport when it comes to, you know, um, the athlete it can attract. And you can be really small, you can be really big and play. You know, I think that what sets itself apart from other sports is that there's a lot of, you know, finesse involved with it, whether it's passing, shooting, um, playing defense, that kind of thing. It's kind of the finesse and the hand-eye coordination is what sets itself apart from other sports. So I was amazed to see, um, I mentioned your Ashkelon hat, but when I, I looked at the standings in, in Israel, you guys have an, an eight-team league. Currently, Beersheva, which I think is probably another 10 degrees warmer than Ashkelon, has the top-ranked team. Now, I'm thinking this might be a competitive advantage because of how ridiculously hot it is where they play. Is that... Am I making a false assumption here? Um, I'll tell you what. Over in Israel in the summer, it doesn't really matter where you're playing. We're playing away games and home games all the time, so everyone's kind of experiencing the same heat. Um, but yeah, you're definitely losing losing a lot. You gotta you gotta stay hydrated out there during the, during the summer during the league. Um, I was I was playing for Sterot, which is a little bit further south than Oshkosh, not mm-hmm. as far south as Beersheba. Um, but yeah, we need to take the same precautions wherever you are in, in the in the country. So. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to think that um, a sport that largely relies on players from the Mid-Atlantic, upstate New York, and the rest of New York and New England, taking this and putting it in Israel, and it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think uh, one of the interesting things about, it's called the IPLL, the Israel Premier Lacrosse League, one of the interesting things is, is that it's, you know, like you said, people, players from the Mid-Atlantic, from North America, but that's also included that you also include in the league, you know, our native Israelis who have finally got to that level to play in that. And also we uh, import players from all over Europe. So we had players from Austria. We had players from Scotland. We had players from Wales. And I think we represented something like 15 to 20 different countries uh, this past season in the IPL. So it was um, certainly is a testament to, you know, the community that's involved with the league and actually, you know, how, how diverse and, you know, how big the sport's actually getting. So, Bill, a, a coaching question. You're coaching guys who are playing and women who are playing in 90 to 100 degree temperatures. Do you get to sub out like in hockey or is it running subs or how? And these guys are running 10 miles a game. I don't know. So you many. already read the rules because, yes, it's running subs. So you can sub in and out anytime you want on the field. And yeah. how many? So how many people are on a team total? How many time? How many minutes are you playing in a game, Jake? I'm just curious. Um, so actually, in Beersheba, for example. Yeah. So minutes? actually, um, the the players who are doing the most subbing is the midfielders. Uh, as Coach Barroza said, you know the midfielders are playing offense and defense. So what you probably do is, you know, go up, take a run on offense, maybe get back, play defense, and then when the ball goes back the other way again, you're going to sub off. That being said, you have three players on defense. Who are only who are staying only on the defensive side of the ball? They'll most of the time stay on the field for the entire game. That being said, when the ball is on the other half, they can stand, kind of catch their breath, you know, get some wind, and then you know the same goes for the other side. You have three, I guess we'll call them forwards. Um, the same thing goes for when the ball is on defense; they can catch their breath. Meanwhile, the midfielders are running up and down the entire time, and they're kind of switching on the fly. So. So Israel has both uh, men's and women's teams. The women's team is ranked sixth in the world, the men's seventh in outdoors and fourth in indoors. I'd love to hear a bit more about how the women's team is doing. The women's team uh, is is very successful. Uh, we like to show that, you know, 
Jewish women athletes, Israeli Israeli women can be strong athletes just like the men can. Um, you know, our, our I guess our Israeli youth girls numbers aren't quite as high as the men yet, but we're getting there, we're really working on it. Um, and it's just something, you know, that's, you know, important to us, you know, to show again, you know, that we are diverse, we're here, we're, we can represent both, both sexes. And uh, yeah, we hope to see, uh, I truly believe that the future is female. So uh, we hope to see, you know, continued growth with, with that side of the program. Amen. <laughs> um, so let's get to the tournament. How did Israel land uh, the sport's biggest tournament? What were the steps? What happened? Well, England was supposed to host the World Championships, and uh, they backed out about a year from the actual games, and they opened up the bidding. So we we bid against other countries, and uh, we won. I mean, that's the high-level, simple answer. Um, but there was a lot of work behind that because we had to be concerned about did we have enough field space for 48 teams to play, um, the heat that Dan keeps talking about. We had to make sure that we had enough – breaks in the schedule and between the TV contract that will be announced soon, this weekend I think, publicly, um, the TV uh, contract as well as, uh, uh, you know, we have to be able to handle many, many um, situations. Um, And Scott Neese put together an incredible proposal, worked with many of us, but what we did in the very beginning is uh, we weren't sure if we were going to host it in Netanya or Haifa or Ashkelon or Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. We didn't know. We looked at renting a boat, similar to what the NFL did several years ago in Jacksonville, to have enough hotel space for all the people coming into town. And we looked at Haifa and said, boy, we could have a boat there and people stay on the boat. We looked at Jerusalem, no, too, you know, too many issues with the, with the Friday night and Saturday and all that stuff. So um, we ended up in Netanya. Uh, the mayor there has been tremendous. The sports ministry has been fabulous. Uh, matter of fact, the um, the Kraft family, led by Dan, who runs the paper business, uh, have been very, very um, helpful to help us not only win the bid but to fulfill our dream. Um, and and they've been tremendous in terms of opening doors for us with the Israeli government because of their because of their very, very strong position with um, with Israel. So, what are the expectations for this year? Uh, everybody said to me, we have to win a medal. And, and, and so every time I say, well, we're going to try, they said, that's the best you can commit. So, um, you know, I'm not on the field playing. Jake is on the field, and, and uh, 22 other players will be out there. So it's, it's at the end of the day, I'll take responsibility, but it's going to be them putting the ball in the goal, stopping the other teams, and doing everything I tell them to do. And if they do it perfectly, we'll come home with a gold medal. So- or excuse me, with a medal. <laughs> a medal, we're not, not promising right. the type of medal. Right. I got it. That's fine. Um, Jake, besides you, who are some of the players to watch? Oh wow! Um, so again, I have a bias, uh, but you know, a couple of my buddies that I've been living with in Israel for for a while now. Um, my friend, longtime friend Seth Mahler, uh, he's been living in Israel a little bit longer, maybe about five six years now. Uh, He's kind of one of those two-way middies like we talked about playing offense and defense. Um, another player, uh, his name's Ryan Hunter. He's playing attack for us, living in Israel. He lives in Netanya at the moment, actually. Uh, he played college across at Ohio State, so very high-level player. Um, and honestly, I think you can go down the, the entire roster and put your finger on any name and, and expect to you know, see, see a lot of talent, a lot of you know, hard work, and uh, we're excited. So everybody's been working hard.
So your uh, your first games are going to be against uh, Jamaica and Russia. Coach, you going to get out of that pool? Uh, that's the objective. Um, and, and you can't take any team lightly in sports. You, do, you just don't know. And the rules lend themselves in the, inter, in, in the international game are a little bit different. There's no shot clock. They can slow the ball down. So we have to make sure that we get off to a good start and Jamaica doesn't. And they're a very talented team. They're going to have a lot of Division One lacrosse players on their team that qualify under the FIL, Federation of International Lacrosse Rules. But actually um, uh, this weekend coming up uh, – in association with the NCAAs at uh, Gillette Stadium, uh, Team Israel is hosting um, seven other countries, and Jamaica will be playing. So we'll get a chance to see, you know, their talent, how good they are. But uh, yeah, my my goal is to get out of it. And I'm sure if you ask the Jamaican coach, right, what's his goal? It's to beat Team Israel. Yeah. How's Russia? Russia's not as strong. Um, uh, they've got a couple of American coaches that are good friends of mine, and uh, the Americans in general have been very, very good with the foreign countries helping them actually uh jake's brother max is the head coach for latvia latvia and he's also uh, assistant coach at boston university here in town so there's a lot of uh good um uh, development in other countries with american coaches going there and the same thing with uh, players uh just as an aside jake was playing in australia when scott niece our executive director said hey jake you're jewish right he goes yeah Oh, come on over to Israel. He says, but coach, or Scott, Australia's pretty cool. He says, yeah, but it's cooler here in Israel. <laughs> Not the weather, Dan. But, uh, no, I got you. And Jake's been there yeah. ever since. And I've only been to one out of two. I can only speak for Israel, and I would say, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Especially Netanya. I mean, come on. It's beautiful there off the water. to live oh. and have a tournament. I'll tell you what, I just want to add one thing about the, the European teams. You know, as the game continues to grow over there, um, the more you know, North American influence that these teams have uh, is helping them continue to improve. And one thing that I have seen is that all these, you know, Russians, Europeans, Latvians, whoever, these these people who are kind of uh, attaching themselves to the game or starting the game are already have a lot of raw talent. They're mm-hmm. a lot of raw athletes. So you have kind of, I don't know how to say this. You have the Play-Doh there. It just kind of needs to be molded and kind of guided in the right direction. But there's definitely a lot of potential. So I'm excited to see where the sport goes in you know 10 20 however many years and, and jake talked about the commitment um i i was two years ago i was on a one of our winter service trips where we have the 16 17 18 year old boys and girls come over and um this past year we were in serbia the year before we were actually or maybe it was serbia two years ago and we stopped in serbia uh, to play some games because we want to promote the sport as Israel, we want to help other countries grow. And so we played Team Serbia and we played Team Poland in Serbia. Poland took a trip on a bus 16 hours, 16 hours with their team to get to play us against us. And so, you know, these countries don't are not afforded the luxuries of the United States and Canada um, as well as, you know, um, in their particular geographies. So anything we can do to help grow the sport, we do. And... Uh, it's been, it's been uh, as Jake said, it's been harder in Europe to grow it, but hopefully it'll continue on the right path. So uh, I'm one quarter Latvian, so they're going to be my number two team. Beautiful. I'm sure my brother will be happy to, happy to hear that. Whatever the cheer is for Latvia, I'm going to figure it out. Jake, can we get can we get Max to get him a signed jersey? We, we can get yeah, you a jersey. Tell, or tell a him. One quarter Latvian guy yeah, is like totally into their team. There you go. No problem. Uh, so, uh, you know, I 
we watched some highlights of the last uh, tournament, and um, the U.S. is always favored in this, right? Like the U.S. is always the team to beat, or are there other teams that well, can, the, Canada the, beat them? Canada won the last World but that Championship. That was a shocker, right? I mean, that was. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a shocker. They're very the, talented. The video I watched on YouTube said shocker. <laughs> Canada beat you. Well, if it well, says well, who, it on who, YouTube, who posted right? the video? That's that's a better <laughs> question to ask. Probably a Canadian guy, I would think. But no, Canada. Canada has won three World Championships: 1978, 2010, I believe, up in Canada, and then 2000, actually 14. I think they went two in a row, but they, or maybe it was, but they've won three three World Championships. So Canada is a is a legitimate uh, contender for the gold and silver every single year. So besides. The obvious pressure on you as the host country expected to win medal of some variety of medal. Uh, which teams are under the most pressure going into this or with the highest expectations going into this? Uh, the, the Iroquois, which is the Hoshone Nation, um, they, they are third in the world and they have high expectations. They've got tremendous players that play professionally and some still in college now, but they are you know, people are expecting them to win a potentially a silver, gold, or bronze medal. So we'll be in contention with them. And Australia uh, was a team we lost to in 2014 that ended up coming in fourth place. But England, Scotland are strong contenders as well. And, and uh, you know, everybody's looking to U.S., Canada already, but don't count out, you know, some of these other countries. And we're not counting you guys out at all. Okay, what would be the best reason to go see this tournament in Netanya from July 12th to 21st? Yeah, I mean, I can rattle off a million reasons. I mean, I'm sure you guys know a million reasons to get to Israel, but it's kind of just something, you know, it's kind of, you know, as Coach said, it's there will never be a, a, a tournament or, you know, a world championships this big ever again in history just because of the way that it's been growing and now there's going to be plans. So it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing, I think, and I honestly don't, think that I need to pitch the lacrosse thing very hard. You could be sports fan, non-sports fan, Israel fan, fan of the beach, fan of nice weather, anything, and you can come and you can have a good time, whether it's you fill the entire time with lacrosse or you fill the entire time with you know, other things, going to the Dead Sea or seeing Jerusalem or seeing other things with a little lacrosse sprinkled in. Um, you know, I, I really want people from Boston, from the United States, from all over the world to experience the reasons why I fell in love with Israel. Um, and I think this is an excellent opportunity to do that. So we just had a chance about a month ago, and Jake played against them. Team England came to Israel to compete with us to prep their um, national team to play in the World Championships, and it was a practice. So they came to Israel. They played five games in seven days. But we also funded for them a trip to Jerusalem and Yad Vashem. And uh, there's a videotape that uh, was created. It's out on YouTube now. Um, we can share that as well with people. But the words that came back from the players was um, unbelievable. And I don't think there was one Jewish player on the Team England. There could have been, but I don't know. Uh, but at the same time, they came back with incredible commentary about visiting the country and what they saw and and their commentary about just the Holocaust Museum. You know, they were a part of that too. And, uh, um you know, uh, going to Masada, it's just there's so many amazing sites there, and and the people, and the culture, and uh, what Israel brings to the world in medicine and uh, intellectual property. Um, it, it's just uh, people need to come there besides besides seeing lacrosse, but they'll see some of the best lacrosse in the world. 
Well, I just, you know, I, I just want to let people know worldlacrosse2018.com is the official site, and that's where you can find out all kinds of information about schedule of games, uh, hotel packages, and other interesting stuff. And then lacrosse.co.il is the official site of Israel, Israeli National Lacrosse, so there's more information there. And you mentioned the TV. Uh, for those of us who will not be fortunate enough to go to Israel in July, uh, is it going to be ESPN again, or do you know? For, are you allowed to say it yet? I do know, and uh, nobody gave me the green light to say it yet. So, um, stay Let tuned. me ask you this way: Does it Kid. rhyme with ESPN Plus? <laughs> Dan, I just want to tell you, you're a pretty smart guy. So, <laughs> All right, great. Um, okay, we'll leave it at that. But. Uh, <laughs> I want to add one thing. As I just said, I talked about Team England, and we hosted them in Yad Vashem in Jerusalem. We're going to do the same thing for the 47 other countries that are coming to Israel. Wow. So, That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. So as part of our fundraising efforts, uh, we you know, are using money to pay for every team and their coaches and their staff to go there because, again, as Jake said, um, we want them to see Israel. Yeah. So. That's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, well, I want to thank you both so much. Uh, you, you got a nice car to drive here, and so thank you for doing that. <laughs> uh, and, Bill, thank you so much uh, for both of you for taking the time. I know you guys have a lot of prep for a tournament this weekend, and then you guys got to get back to Israel and practice and win some variety of medal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you get a silver, a silver at least. How about? That's so kind of you. <laughs> that rhymes with silver lick. Yeah, yeah. Right, I like that. Exactly. All right, well, thank you.